0: Welcome to Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. Everyone and welcome to another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I'm your host, Carter Hockman, and joining me this week is the current emergency goaltender for the Boston Bruins, Seamus Egan. Thanks for coming on, Seamus. Hey, thanks for having me, Carter. So the first question I ask everyone right off the bat is what made you want to become a goaltender and just when did it all start for you?
1: Yeah um, I think it started at a pretty young age and um, it definitely started in my backyard. I'm one of uh, I have three younger brothers in my family and they all kind of we all kind of played hockey together in different sports in the backyard and I always found myself winding up in goal whether that was in street hockey or in soccer and things like that. So that's where I got my start is playing street hockey and then uh, going into seventh grade that year Christmas my parents first got me my uh, first set of glove and blockers for hockey goalie and that's kind of one I made the commitment to be a goalie for hockey and that's kind of where things really started flowing for my goalie career at least.
0: Uh, It's funny I remember for me um, I was walking into a plate against sports uh, they use the sporting goods store and I saw like a street hockey pads and and a a mask and I was immediately attracted to it I don't know why but it just it's 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 super enticing.
1: (laughs) Yeah it's definitely one of those things goal especially hockey goalie the, the pads are just kind of let you stand out a little bit and it's definitely a unique aspect of the game that I definitely like.
0: Growing up in Waltham, Mass, uh, we all know how intense the hockey culture can get around this area. Was part of that culture what inspired you to play hockey?
1: It definitely was and, and when I was younger too one of the coolest things was um, going to the high school games on the weekends or during the week and, and watching the high school kids play and, and watching how kind of the community rallied around those players and it was kind of one of the reasons why I did decide to stay at public school and, and go to my public high school because I wanted that atmosphere and that um, ability to play with the kids I grew up with. So it definitely is one of the reasons that I became a, uh, a hockey player.
0: What was the moment you knew you wanted to stick with goaltending? Because I'm just assuming that a lot of kids will try it out and then decide that it's not for them. And then the next year you're seeing them skating out.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a tough position to get into. And, and it has a lot to do with the mental aspect of it as well, just because um, of everything that goes in, and goes into it, especially that uh, you make a mistake being a forward, it's definitely much easier to cover it up, and you make a mistake being a goalie, and everyone knows about it. So that's definitely a tough part about it. Um, I actually, like I said, didn't make the transition to goalie until um, about seventh grade, so that's kind of when I actually made that transition. And it was, like I said, really loved the game, loved the game, loved the sport, and that's kind of how I got stuck with it. Um, and just being around people that... Uh, like my cousin was a goalie and being having those influences around me that really kind of pushed me over the edges uh, as far as, Hey, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. And that's kind of where I stuck with, with goalie.
0: You sort of mentioned that mental aspect, which as a lot of us know, who have have played the position, you know, regardless of the sport, you know, the mental aspect is arguably about 90% of it, you know? Oh yeah. And, and so if you could, You know, talk to a younger goalkeeper, a younger version of yourself, you know, just starting out of the position. What would you say in terms of just to prepare yourself for the mental hurdles that come with the position?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing and this kind of what happened to me is because I started so late, people are even telling my parents, hey, it's it's way too late for him to make that transition. It's not a good idea if he wants to play in high school or or anywhere else. He really needs to just focus on what he's been doing. Um, and the first thing I'd say is if you really love the position and, and it's what you want to do, and that's kind of where you see yourself going, you just got to go for it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where no matter what anyone else is saying, you just really get to try and keep putting your best foot forward. Um, and mistakes will happen and that will happen no matter what you're doing, but it's a position where you really learn a lot about yourself and your mental fortitude. And you can, you can use that in every aspect of life. So it's one of those things where if you're able to kind of grasp it and keep moving forward, you can use it uh, for the rest of your life.
0: I completely agree and I, I always think there's no there's no one path to do to get to a sing, to get to a, a goal that you want to achieve, whether that be in sports and life, in work and and whatever it else whatever else it may be. I mean, I talk about it all the time. I didn't really start taking soccer seriously until maybe I was fifteen mm-hmm. years old. Um and, and by by anyone's standards these days, I would have no chance of even thinking about playing in college. Um and you know, it it just depends on your Your mental aspect of the game and and how hard you're willing to work because if you really want it and you really love it then if, then I don't think there's really any time to that's that's too late to start anything
1: mm-hmm. no, I completely agree, and I think that's kind of one of the things that can throw a lot of kids off, especially being young is um there's a lot of thing that things that are thrown their way, and if they're not awesome at it right away, they might just give up on it and kind of move forward but it's one of those things where if you really have the mindset for it and you really want to move forward and, and try to uh, be your best at it. It's one of those things where you can do it. You just got to keep having that mental fortitude.
0: And so, you know, you end up playing high school hockey right next door to my hometown of Lexington, Massachusetts. You end up playing with those kids that you ended up watching when you were a little kid, you were a two-time DCL all-star. You were selected to the Shriners all-star classic for the top senior high school players in Massachusetts. As a goaltender, we both know the effort it takes just to get recognized as being among the best. I know it's the cheesiest question to ask, but what did that recognition mean to you?
1: Uh, it definitely means a
0: lot. And, and no matter what you're
1: doing, when you're working hard and you're trying to get to your goals and you're able to achieve the goals you're trying to set for yourself, it, it, mean, it means a lot. And um, Not that you're looking for any like personal awards or things like that, but I think it shows your hard work and your efforts kind of paid off, um, especially because who's voting for those awards? It's your um, other coaches in the league that are voting for you. So it shows that they're recognizing, hey, this kid is really working hard. He's a big contributor for his team. Um, and that effort's not going unnoticed. So it's definitely something that uh, you definitely appreciate. It's, it's something that you try to do to put your team in the best position moving forward. But um, it's, it's something that you take to heart, especially for how, how much work you put into
0: it. It is weird. I know especially younger athletes today get a lot of flack for, you know, everyone gets a trophy. But I feel like getting that sort of recognition can definitely help you want to progress further in the sport. No, I think so, too. And I, I think it's there's a fine line of obviously um,
1: being kind of over, overachiever as far as getting rewards for maybe things that you really don't deserve. Um, but when you're, you're someone that kind of puts the work in and it's more of an individual award where people are recognizing the effort you're putting in, um, I think things like that are definitely good, especially for people at a young age where, um, if, like I said before, if they're not gonna kind of getting that instant gratification, they might kind of just walk away from it. But maybe little nudges of, hey, you're doing really well or, or here's, an, here's something that you can improve on is, is definitely something that's beneficial for them.
0: Well, after getting that recognition in high school, you ended up playing on, on for Team Massachusetts. You get to play in the CCM Invitational Tournament in Plymouth, Minnesota, against the best high school hockey players in the country and arguably the hub of high school hockey because anyone who follows hockey knows how seriously the state of Minnesota takes high school hockey. So just talk me through that experience and, and how much you had to raise your game there as a goaltender.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a very cool experience, and um, it was one that I kind of – didn't really see myself doing when I first started, but kind of when I first got selected and kind of went through the training camp process and we went over there for the tournament, it was, it was crazy to see how, how Minnesota hockey has really lived up to and how people really care about it there. And um, I remember my first game, I think I faced 20 or 25 shots in the first period. And that was kind of the the moment I was like, Oh crap, like this is, this is for real. These kids are really good. So um, it was a place where you had to elevate your game to kind of survive and it made me a better hockey player. I think overall seeing the talent that was out there across the country.
0: So in a game like that, where you're not expecting to see, or you, you're not, or you might not have an idea of what to prepare for. And all of a sudden you're seeing 20, 25 shots in the first period. How do you, how do you, you know, you go into the locker room. What are you saying to yourself at, in the first intermission?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of, uh, you get back there and you kind of just regroup a little bit and there's only so much you can do as a goalie and you try not to, to worry about so much of the past and you try to just keep, your mental focus on moving forward. Um, and it's kind of just doing, taking one shot at a time. You're worried about just um, being in the right position, giving yourself and your team the best chance to win. And that's kind of what you have to do in a situation like that, especially when you're playing such good talent. Um, you just worry about the next shot and and that's all you can really do from that point on.
0: So it's definitely, I feel like, and it gets lost on a lot of people is, is worry about the next shot and forget about the last one.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely, especially with younger goalies, it's, uh, it's, when people are celebrating in your face, and your your team is down three to two and a couple of minutes left, um, it's definitely one of those things that can put goalies down, and maybe be a reason that people leave the position. Um, but it, it's all you can do. You can't do all in the past. You, you just have to keep putting your best foot forward and, and worrying about that next shot and giving your team a chance. And that's kind of what our goalies are meant to do. Is if you can give your team a chance to win, that's all
0: they can really ask for. So you decide to take your talents after high school to Merrimack College but end up playing for the club team I would have to assume after the high school career you had you received at least some collegiate attention what went into your decision to not only attend Merrimack but to play for the club team there yeah so after school I did I did talk to a couple of coaches about
1: kind of the college route and it was one of those things where especially with hockey it's Hey, um, if you have to play juniors for a couple of years and then we'll kind of evaluate things and see where we stand. And and I did have some coaches that really were showing interest, but um, I didn't think juniors was really right for me. I wanted to kind of get on with my college experience. And I felt like club hockey was kind of that next best thing for me um, to keep me, keep giving me that kind of hockey, uh, take care of my hockey addiction and, and give me that camaraderie that I was looking for in a team setting. So, um Merrimack was a kind of a school that I chose based off of uh, having family that went there. Um, I spent some time there in high school, kind of exploring it a little bit. And um, when I did finally kind of do my final visits for the school, it was one that always stood out to me. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up there. And then club hockey just uh, it was one of those things where I knew as soon as I went to Merrimack, it was kind of one of the first things I looked up uh, joining. So I definitely enjoyed my experience. It's definitely unique. Um, and for players that, college and juniors might not be the thing for you it's definitely a good
0: alternative yeah you sort of answered my next question a little bit there but for a lot of younger goalkeepers and goaltenders even just high school athletes in general listening or maybe even middle school um goaltenders and athletes the ideal next step for them in their playing careers is to play in college uh maybe their respective division one two three NAIA programs Mm -hmm. but you and I both know that there's more than one as we talked about there's more than one path and more than one definition of success when it comes to playing at the next level. What was the most beneficial part or parts for you about playing your next level of hockey on the club team?
1: Uh, I would say the first thing is definitely the team aspect. When you, when you grow up playing with teams your whole life, whether it was, I played three sports pretty much my whole life, baseball, soccer, and hockey. And, Um, When you're always surrounded by that team environment and all your friends are kind of coming off the teams you play on, Um, it's definitely something you want to transition when you go into that college atmosphere. And that was the biggest thing for me was kind of making that friendship, especially as a freshman, making those friends on the team, um, being able to do things together, have lunch together, um, hang out after school and in classes and things like that. And then you're still, even as a club team, you're still practicing three or four days a week. You play two games in the weekend. So you're still playing that competitive schedule where you're, really getting care of, taking care of what you want to for hockey. You're still playing against really good talent. You're playing a hockey schedule against the club teams of BC and UNH and BU and, and teams like that that even go to the club national. So there's definitely some good club hockey talent in New England. And it's one of those cool things where um, even being a club team, we're still traveling to these big schools, playing in these Division One ranks and, and really kind of living the uh, the club hockey experience like that.
0: So if you could talk to a group of high school athletes today, maybe not even goaltenders specifically, but if you could talk to high school athletes right now who are maybe not getting college looks, or who, but who definitely still want to keep playing, what would you say to them about club sports?
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I'd say first is focus on your education. Go somewhere that um, aligns with what you're looking to do for your future career, whether that's in business or in medicine or anything like that. Worry about that first. Um, and let the, the club sports kind of take the, the next step after that. So once you pick the school that's right for you with your education, um, the club sports is a great great, great, great way to get into um, activities and meeting people and things like that. I played uh, club baseball and club hockey at Merrimack. So um, when hockey season was over, we were playing baseball against teams all over um, New England. So it's, it's a good experience. It, it lets you make some friends on campus, and it's a pretty competitive schedule um, whether you're playing – Uh, our club hockey team happened to be division two and we're playing a pretty good division two schedule for the club hockey team so it's one of those things where if you you really want to still be involved in sports and maybe the d1 or the 33 level might not be for you or it's just not something you're looking forward to doing with the commitment um, that you have to do for practices and things like that club hockey or club sports in general is definitely a good alternative
0: so prior to your first year at Merrimack in 2014 you began playing for the Boston Bruins alumni team because I don't even know how one would begin to look for something like that. And since you yourself are not an alum of the Bruins, how did you land that job?
1: Yeah, so it was kind of just happened. Um, they were actually playing a, a game in Watertown, Massachusetts, which is the town over from me. They had an alum ga- alumni game there versus the Bentley University alumni. Um, for a charity event and their goalie happened to not was either injured or was not able to make it and after a couple of phone calls I got a call from director of hockey operations um, Bob Cormier for the Boston Bruins alumni and just said hey basically uh, we don't have a goalie for this game would you mind filling in for us I heard good things about you and we could definitely use the help Um and when the Bruins call you really you really can't say no so yeah you um, listen oh exactly and and so I took that offer and I jumped with it and played in the game we it was a pretty good game. Um, with the alumni games, they can they can range from being kind of older groups to even to younger groups, and this happened to be a younger group, so the game was pretty competitive. And I think we won like four to two or five to two, and it was a pretty good game. Um, and then they just said, hey, we really appreciate you coming, and if we ever needed another goalie another time, would you be willing to fill in? And I said, of course. So that's kind of where I got started with that.
0: I have to ask who is the coolest Bruins alum that you've played with to date? And I'll follow that up with the coolest memory you've had playing with the alumni so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have to say like the team overall is, is pretty cool. I mean, when you're coming from someone that's not an alumni at all and them welcoming, welcoming me into the locker room and, and being willing to share their stories and talk about kind of their experience and feel like I'm just like one of the guys or a part of the team. It's definitely, um, definitely. I appreciate the way they kind of treat me as one of their own, um, especially not being an alumni myself. Um, But I would say I've met a lot of cool guys. I've met Ray Bork, Rick Middleton a lot, who's the president of the um, Bruins alumni. Um, Andrew Raycroft, Bob Sweeney, Terry O'Reilly. There's just so many guys. I can't really pick one that I would say is the the coolest, but all of them have their unique stories about kind of their careers and where things have taken them. So they're they're definitely cool to be around. In
0: 2019, you graduate from Merrimack College and lo and behold, you land the job as the emergency goalie for the Boston Bruins. First off, how do you even find out that the Bruins need a new emergency goalie? And second, how do you go about getting that job?
1: Yeah, so actually, Bob Sweeney, um, we were doing our uh, annual alumni training camp, and and after the after the camp was finished, he said that they were looking for an, a new alumni or a, a emergency backup goalie for the team. Um, there's they have there's four that they have, and what we do is we rotate games, so we each take a slate of games. Um, on the schedule and we all go to the game. So there's four of us and they were needing someone to fill that fourth slot. And Bob, uh, Bob Sweeney asked me if I'd be interested. I said, for sure. And he asked me to send over kind of my hockey resume and, and things like that. And that was sent over to the Bruins and they took a review and they, it um, kind of went from there and I got picked to be able to do it.
0: So just for those who are listening, who don't know, can you just explain the role and the duties of the emergency goaltender? Yeah. So what I do
1: basically is, Um, as the emergency goaltenders, I have to be to the rink an hour before the game. Um, so get there before warmups. Um, and basically what I do is my responsibility is be there in case one of the goalies on either team gets injured. Um, if someone gets hurt or in warmups, or if someone gets hurt during the game, um, I'll get pulled down to the lower level and they'll have me get dressed and basically be there in case, um, one of the goalies goes down or if, if two go down, Um, actually would end up playing in the game. So just to be there for either team, just in case um, there's a a circumstance where their goalies goalies can't go.
0: So I have a question for you that you probably knew was coming. Mm -hmm. Anyone who follows hockey knows the now legendary stories of guys like Scott Foster and David Ayers, the emergency goalies who rose to instant fame after picking up wins for the Blackhawks and the Hurricanes, respectively. Have you gone through that scenario in your head of what might happen if knocking on wood, if both Tukarask and Jaroslav Halak go down mid game and your number gets called?
1: Yeah. I mean, every time you go to the rink, you're kind of driving there and you're wondering, Hey, will today be the day. And, and you, you kind of hope it doesn't just because you don't want to see other people get hurt. But, um, on the other stand on the other hand, if if it were to happen, kind of how cool it would be in, in the experience you'd kind of have for a lifetime. And I actually had a Bruins game the day after the, uh, the David Ayers game. So I was kind of driving to the ring saying, Oh, could today be my day too? So it's definitely one of those things that you think about. You never want to see anyone get hurt, obviously, but um if it were to happen, either for the Bruins or whoever
0: they're playing that night, it would definitely be a memory and an experience that you would never forget. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget any either of those games for, for two specific reasons. One, because uh, I think, I don't know why it stands out, but I think just the call of the Scott Foster game was phenomenal um, by NBCSN. And one thing that stands out about David Ayers is he was the emergency backup for the Maple Leafs, but ended up having to go in for the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: Yeah. And you just never know kind of how the situation is going to roll out. And I think it's one of those cool things, too, where and it's unique to hockey. Obviously, there's not really another sport where um, you could just be another guy off the street and not end up playing in a professional game, um, which makes it very, very cool that we have it in the sport of hockey. Um, and and another thing, too, is that you, you see how the guys rallied around David Ayers and Scott Foster during the game. And how they treated them like just one of their own that's kind of one of the cool things about being a hockey player is that you get that respect um no matter where you're going whether it was me walking into the alumni room or David Ayers walking into the Carolina Hurricanes locker room you kind of got that respect uh just being a hockey player so it's definitely a cool aspect about it
0: I think one thing that's interesting is is as of late especially after I think it was the David Ayers game there was a lot of talk about Removing the emergency goaltender and just having the goaltender, the goalie coach from either team step in. What would you say in 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 response to maybe the thought of removing the emergency goaltender from the game?
1: Uh, it's one of those things where it's definitely a unique thing to the game, and you can you can kind of see why teams might want to remove it. If, for instance, uh, David Ayers was the employee by the Maple Leafs and he went into the game and kind of let up five or six really goals that shouldn't have gone in and gave the game back to the Leafs and those points allowed them to get to the playoffs. You can see kind of where it could be a problem, but I think as goalies and, and pretty much anyone that's in the position kind of has that respect where they always want to do the the best thing for the, for the team, no matter who they're playing on that night. Um, and just want to put their best foot forward when they're in goal. So it's one of those things where you can definitely understand why they were talking about it. I'm glad that they considered not to do it. Um, because it is one of those special things about hockey, but uh, it's it's something that I think the the emergency goalies, no matter what team they're playing on that night or playing for,
0: um, they respect and
1: they always want to make sure that they're doing their best, no matter who it is.
0: Well, Seamus, it's been absolutely great talking to you and learning a lot more about um, the emergency goaltender position as a whole. And I want to say I hope to see you in that one day, but that would mean terrible things have happened. So um, I... I, I do wish you nothing but success in the future.
1: No, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been awesome. Uh, and I enjoyed uh,
0: listening to your other podcasts. So I really
1: hope you keep doing what you're doing. It's definitely going to be a great project.
0: Thank you so much for saying that. Well, guys, this has been another episode of Just for Keeps, the podcast all about goalkeepers. I've been your host, Carter Hogman. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Just for Keeps.